Welcome to Stu's EV Universe, where you can find anything and everything electric vehicle. Uh, today I am happy to have Michael Bream, who is owner and CEO of EV West, as my guest. Uh, but today we're talking about another project that Michael is doing. Michael was on episode 22, which is a great episode because we talk about all of his work at EV West with converting, um, you know, classic cars and antique cars uh, to electric. Uh, but today we're talking about something a little bit different or maybe a lot different, um, which is a project that is called EVLC, which is Electric Vehicle Learning Center. First of all, thank you and, and welcome to the show, Michael. Yeah, thank you, Stuart. Really appreciate you having me. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed talking to you so much last time, and uh, I, I think what you're doing is, is wonderful there. Uh, com taking these cars that basically will have, you know, almost an unlimited life now, these classic cars, they always get oohs and ahs whenever they're brought out, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's so fun and rewarding. It really is. Yeah. It's kind of the chocolate and peanut butter moment. You get these old classic cars that just want to be on the road. They really deserve to be on the road, right, and to be seen. And then you have these wonderful, very you know, technically advanced drivetrains that they're making now in cars like the Tesla. And so to put some of that in these older cars, you know, uh, it's just amazing. And, you know, yeah. these new electric drivetrains are designed to go several hundred thousand miles. So hopefully we're giving these old classics like a really good, you know, future new life. Yeah, yeah. But with EVLC, um, I wanted to talk to you about that because I think the first time you, we had you on was about a year ago. And uh, we just kind of, I think maybe after the fact, we talked about that a little bit. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how Electric Vehicle Learning Center started? Where did the idea come from? Um, how long has it been going on? Why Why you're doing this? Yeah, great, thanks. So uh, back in 2019, we, uh, we have a lot of customers that hang around the shop here at EV West and they come in and discuss, you know, ideas that they might have for future projects or future builds that they wanna do. Um, and, you know, you get around a little bit of small talk. And I, I noticed a theme amongst a small group of customers that I had where they took the experience, this, this learning process that they were going through, learning about the components and, um, you know, the work required to convert a classic car to electric. And they were just kind of, I think, talking out loud, like, oh, this would be a, you know, really neat, uh, you know, to teach to the youth, you know, because... We all grew up when we were younger, you know, I had an auto shop class. Um, I had an unofficial one through my dad, you know, he was always, um, always the one to, you know, go out in the garage, figure it out. He'd give me the Chilton's manual or the Haynes manual and, you know, read through it. And, uh, and I credit a lot of where I am today and the growth of the business with those early experiences. And so we wanted a way to kind of, um, I had some customers talking about a way to translate that or to learn this with their own children. In other words, it was kind of bonding. I'd go out there and, you know, at the time I hated it, but, you know, looking back, you're out there mowing the lawn and then, you know, the, the lawnmower dies on you and you gotta go figure out, okay, is it the spark plug? Is it, you know, the carburetor, or the fuel line uh, fouled up? So there's a, a process there of diagnostics and that's lost now. We have these, uh, the, the children have these new toys. They've got scooters and electric skateboards. 
um, e-bikes and things like that. A parent might buy something, maybe it works for, you know, six months and then they forget to charge it and it doesn't charge anymore and, or it just stopped running and they have, uh, they don't really have that diagnostic skill set. Right? Um, and there's not a process there to kind of go through like we do with combustion, you know, make sure it's got air, gas and spark or, you know, whatever it is. So, so I think about the third or fourth customer that mentioned this to me, I, I, I started to see a pattern and uh, I actually introduced a few customers to each other because they had similar ideas. And I just thought it would be uh, healthy if, if they spoke about them because they were very positive things, you know, to take this technology, especially something that I love so much, taking the technology and then, um, and at the time to uh, the wife and I have a three-year-old. So this was very relevant to, to us as well about his education and stuff like that going forward. So, uh, so these customers got to talking and they're, you know, pretty, uh, very uh, enthusiastic, I guess is the best word. And they, they put together um, an idea to form a 501c3. So a recognized charity uh, in the United States for a, a STEM school. Um, and it's the EVLC, which is the Electric Vehicle Learning Center. So the focus is around, you know, trying to do really fun stuff to get people enthused and encouraged to learn this. And of course, vehicles are fun, even for kids, either it's a bike or a scooter, a skateboard, uh, even a small car or something like that. Um, so the subject matter is really uh, exciting for them. So it's easy to get them enthused. And then you kind of have this atmosphere where you can teach those skills, not only to the kids, but also to the parents, because this is really a, I, I don't want to say it's a new technology because electric cars were around before combustion cars, but it really is a new popular technology. It's, it's something, you know, sure, electric's been around forever, but if you go and ask, you know, five friends, do you know how to change oil? Or do you know how to balance a battery pack? You're going to have five friends that know how to change oil and nobody knows how to balance a battery pack. And so we want to change that. We want, you know, kids and parents, you know, it to be more common knowledge. So maybe you're having an issue uh, with an electrical device and immediately you have the skill set to go in there with a meter, look at a few things and then perform, um, you know, some work on it to get it running again. So that's that's really the, you know, the impetus and the whole purpose of the EVLC. And so it was really just kind of started by uh, some customers that we had here at, at EV West. And they just had a really, really positive idea. And um, I think the, you know, the only blight on the whole story is they started in 2019. They got um, space, leased space uh, at the end of the year moved into the space at the beginning of 2020 and started setting up curriculum for classes like in spring 2020. And then we got hit with COVID. And uh, so the timing was just, you know, we lost a whole year there where we just shut down the school. We were doing some remote classes. We were using Zoom, uh, much like we are now. It's a fantastic uh, tool for, we are doing some remote learning. We partnered with the SAE and they sent out these little engineering kits. They've got, the SAE has great programs for, for students. And so using Zoom, we had some instructors do classes where they built uh, little model cars, electric cars and hydrogen fuel cell cars and things like that. So we had some classes, but what we really wanted to do was the hands-on work. And now that uh, we've learned how to deal with COVID and take the appropriate measures, we're now doing uh, in-person classes again. So this last summer, 
Uh, we had some great summer school sessions for the kids where they did some builds and learned uh, some circuitry skills and things like that. And now we're starting more programs. Uh, later this month, we're um, starting our first, you know, adult-centric EV 101 class that's spread over three days. So it's a, a pretty intensive uh, learning experience. A lot of people coming from out of town. And um, that class is already sold out. Uh, I know there's more coming up on the schedule. And I, you know, I, I always forget to do this. So I want to make sure and do it a couple of times. But if anyone's interested in this sort of stuff, please go to ev-lc. .org, ev-lc.org. Uh, they have a website up. It's got programs, information about the programs. And the best thing you could do is just scroll down and sign up for the emails. We very rarely send them out, but when we do send them out, it's uh, important messaging, class schedules, how to sign up, things like that. So uh, if anybody out there has an interest, there's a real easy way to get signed up and to stay on our mailing list so you won't miss you know, any upcoming events or classes. Well, I, I guess a couple things come to mind uh, after you know what we were just talking about. Uh, is there a certain age range uh, of the kids um, and within that age range, is there a certain, maybe perhaps more of a focus on one age than the other? And you also mentioned, you know, very casually, you know, electric uh, projects and hydrogen. And whenever I think of hydrogen, I think of explosions. So uh, that kind of brings up safety, you know, and obviously in, in an environment like this, safety is key. You're talking about kids and you're talking about new technologies. Uh, you're talking about things that are kind of cutting edge and, and the future. So, um, I mean, those couple things, uh, the age range of the kids, maybe class sizes and, and, and safety in, in general. So the age range is, is pretty broad, really. Um, we, you know, I was very surprised this, uh, last spring I did an in, in person teaching session over at, um, a local elementary school here in San Marcos, the town that we're in. And I was teaching mainly, um, I believe it was, uh, everybody in the after school program was uh, first grade through third grades, mostly second and third graders. And it was a, a lesson on circuits and completing circuitry, you know, teaching them some differences between series and parallel and little things like that. And I did some, you know, kind of trick circuits where I would draw out the circuit, show where the battery is, show where the switch is, and then put a light bulb in the circuit. And I would ask the students, you know, would this light bulb light up as the circuit is or, you know, which light bulb? Sometimes I would do one with three different lights and then based on how the switches are, if they could trace the circuits. And uh, they just, they got every one of my problems correct. I couldn't believe it. I was so blown away. And it was a learning moment for me, really, because I went into it and I devised the lesson plan and worked on some problems that I thought were pretty good. Um, but I, you know, I didn't want them to be extremely tricky, but definitely ones that I, I was going to try and catch them up and give them that little aha moment. And they, they saw right through it and they, and it was just, it was, it was really a moment for me, you know, where I came back to, you know, the building afterwards and was debriefing with other people involved in the classes. And I was just like, man, these kids really impressed me, you know? So to answer your question, I think, um, there's almost no age limit on that appetite to learn. And if you put the proper material in front of, uh, anyone really, but children especially, show them a little bit of the value. What are we trying to do here? Okay, we're trying to light this bulb. We have a circuit. To them, it's a puzzle, and I think it's enjoyable. They they treat it like it's enjoyable. 
um, either that or they were just goofing with me and being nice. But uh, so that was really neat. So I think, you know, there, especially at the school, they really do have somewhat classes for all ages. You talked about safety. And, you know, I don't think we're having auto shop classes for kids in the low teens or, you know, nine, 10 years old. Um, but there is quite a bit of a difference between working in combustion engines, something that, you know, for one, it uh, is a known carcinogen. It's uh, highly combustible. Um, the fumes are toxic, um, <laughs> you know, and uh, when the engine's running, there's bits on it that are uh, so hot they can uh, cause third degree burns. So coming from a place like that, you know, and coming from that perspective, we see the added safety benefits of the electrical systems to kind of broaden the scope of, of the work that we can do. You know, like I said, we, we wouldn't feel comfortable bringing 10-year-olds into a program learning about gas engines, but I think the fact that we're very comfortable bringing 10-year-olds 10 10 year you know, and younger in, showing them circuits, circuit design, they're working with, you know, low voltage batteries, nothing that could even, you know, uh, I mean, what, you can lick a nine volt battery and it tickles your tongue. So, <laughs> you know, we keep everything in the classes, we keep everything to single cell, single cell or below, sometimes we'll do two cells. So we're talking, you know, for lithium guys, uh, 4.2 or two cell, you know, up to 8.4 volts. So something that's really safe for them, it gets the lesson across, they can still learn how to give a uh, motor maybe more torque or give it more RPM based on changing the voltage or changing the current. So a lot of these lessons and a lot of these principles you can apply in voltage and current ranges that are safe for kids to handle. So that's, that's why it's a great question, by the way, because, you know, people on the surface think, oh my gosh, they could get shocked or, or things like that, you know, without thinking uh, just how, how many dangerous aspects there are to a combustion engine. You know, you can't even run one inside a classroom without, uh, you know, the risk of uh, suffocation or something like that. Yeah. And um, I mean, earlier you were talking about STEM. So science, technology, engineering and math, which is what we're talking about here. Um, there's also um, I mean, is, is that something that you think um, is not addressed as much in schools? And, you know, because of that, you're really providing a service here. Yeah, you know, I've been checked out of schools for a while, but now that I have a, a kid in second grade, you know, focusing a little bit more on it. And I think schools do have different approaches to things, but I think if you were going to make a generalization, if I was going to make a generalization, I think that schools have fallen away from diversity and a little bit more focused on improving test scores and things like that. So, um, you know, yeah, I think it's important to keep a focus on those programs. You know, somebody who excels at math might not be good at music and somebody who's really good in a music or arts program, you know, maybe might not be great at math. And we know as adults, they're all going to grow up to be creative and successful and capable. So I think now we know more than ever how important these extra programs are. Um, but I just feel like maybe the way it's set up, the way that the kind of the bureaucracy, not in a bad way, but the bureaucracy around a school I think a lot of these programs now are kind of being pushed uh, into the private sector, you know, where you kind of get your course, you know, core lessons from the school, and then you kind of do this a la carte stuff, you know, and after school programs. I know with our own child, he's in the second grade, 
and um, there's other STEM STEM uh, schools and outfits around. We have one here called Code Ninjas, and they offer some after-school programs. You know how to build and fly drones, small robotics programs, and things like that. So, um, you know, EVLC is one of many that just really have this outlook and just really want to encourage this more technical thinking. I mean, I really want, you know, I'm an engineer. I want my son to grow up to be an engineer. Uh, I'm the son of an engineer. So I think my dad kind of instilled that same thing in me. And so, uh, and now, you know, looking at the job market and where, you know, where this, this pool is, is needed, uh, really is in engineering. You know, we're going, you know, devices and, and products that we make and design and consume now are far more technical than they used to be. So there's an ever-growing need for that. So any way that you can kind of inspire that in the kids uh, with these programs, you know, in, in stereo with a lot of other STEM, you know, STEM outfits, I think just in general, people need to be aware, more aware of these programs um, because they're not going to be provided directly through, you know, your, your local school. Yeah, and I, I think actually the timing of this is very interesting because with the current administration, uh, especially here, you know, I guess in the the Midwest, I mean, we're hearing about battery, you know, two massive battery plants right here just in Kentucky. And then you talk about Ohio and, you know, there's automobile plants that are opening. It, it's sort of like we're going from a little bit of this kind of global um, perspective to you know, made in America again. And if if it's going to be made in America again, um, we're going to need people that are able to do everything from, you know, being on the line to, you know, cre physically creating these things to coding and, and dreaming things up, you know, and, and critical thinking, which is like what you're talking about. Yeah. And, and that's a good point. Yeah, we are at this kind of a, a precipice of a shift, right? And I know, there's been um, some legislation recently passed um, that, you know, has, has placed such importance on this that now uh, Hyundai and Kia have announced they're opening a couple new factories. Uh, GM just announced a couple battery plants um, so that they'll be eligible for some of these uh, benefits, you know, for domestic manufacturing. Uh, I just read that Tesla is moving, actually moving some of their battery production equipment from Germany over to Texas to accelerate the production of their 4680 cell to, you know, capture, uh, you know, the, the rebates that are coming in, in uh, 2023 for the electric cars. So, yeah, I think it's great. I think the administration is really focused on uh, domestic manufacturing. And of course, uh, with that, there's going to be a, a huge uh, demand for engineers and, and uh, just people in the technical field, you know, not necessarily a full engineering degree, but people that are good with those skills and can pass an engineering or a technical aptitude test. Now, looking at your website, by the way, really impressive. Um, I just had a chance to kind of scroll through. Everything's really straightforward, clean. Um, there's photos in there that are wonderful. Um, you have it, it, you know, you have it organized if memory serves as like there's like an events section and then there's a programs section. Um, can you talk to the difference between those two and maybe even just kind of talk a little bit about some of the highlights from past events? That sounds really exciting. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well, the events promote the programs, right? Um, we got to get the word out there for the programs. We are a new school and 
STEM is relatively new to some people. And this is cars. It's fun. I mean, it really is fun. So uh, later this month on the 22nd of October, we're having an EVs and coffee event um, here at our business park. Now, the nice thing is, is uh, we're not in the same building, but our buildings actually face each other. So we have a nice little uh, parking plaza in between us. And that's usually where we hold the events. So it's Anytime EVLC has an event or EV West, they're kind of mutual events anyway. So it's a lot of fun because we get a really good diverse crowd. We get a lot of like really good car guys that come out from the EV West side and then just a lot of good community and resource people that come out from the EVLC side. So it makes a, a really good mix. And, you know, I have to admit, like, you know, I've been in EVs for a long time. We've been dragging out EVs to cars and coffee events for, you know, the past dozen years. And uh, just recently doing the EVLC events, the, because of the renewed mix of people, I've been having so much fun at them and a lot more fun than I've had uh, at EV events in the past. So uh, so that's neat. So we do stuff like that. We just did um, an event at the San Diego Automotive Museum. We had a taco party, which was uh, just amazing. We had uh, the, the folks from Fully Charged in the United Kingdom come out because they had their Fully Charged live show here in San Diego. And so, you know, if I could just take a moment to plug that show, they're going to be in San Diego for the next two years. It's going to be in the fall, Fully Charged Live. Uh, it was an amazing show. Uh, what a place to have it. You know, America's finest city down here in San Diego. We had great weather. Uh, you know, Harley Davidson had the live wire there. They were letting people drive it. There was a bunch of arrive and drives, you know, cars from like Intermechanica and the Aptera was driving around. Aptera. Yeah. I, was, I mean, it was just, I was just going to say Aptera. But, yeah, yeah. Right. And, I mean, their booth was uh, packed and so crowded the whole event. And so th that was a neat event, right? That's not really a program. We were there, just there to promote our programs, you know, it was an event for us and oh, it was fun to just, you know, reach out and chit chat with a, a lot of people that traveled, you know, people traveled uh, uh, real far for the event. I know last, well, two years ago, um, right before COVID hit, they had it in Austin. And so we went out there in 2020 for the Austin event and they had to take a year off for COVID. Um, but they've renewed the event um, out here in San Diego, which makes us really happy. It was it's much easier for us logistically so we could uh, EVLC in the school and the kids, and we had demonstration tables. It was just easier to kind of get all the stuff down there and let people have the hands-on experience. Yeah. And, you know, going back to the website a little bit, uh, I noticed at least in the pictures, um, and this was great to see, um, almost an equal number of boys and girls. I mean, a lot of times, typically when you think of you know, kind of auto mechanics kind of thing, you know, it, it has tended historically to be like this guy, you know, macho kind of thing. Um, do you feel that's changing? What are you seeing with this? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's kind of funny. There's like a, a presence around that, you know, uh, it's kind of this, you know, maybe technical ability versus just, you know, brawn and might of, you know, sheer horsepower or something like that. So, yeah, I think there's an element of that there. And I think that, you know, as parents and educators and stuff like that, we need to, you know, tell that story, tell that narrative of, you know, how technical ability, how engineering and approach to problem solving are, are really this skill set that's going to take you far in your life. You know, we're not... Um, I think, you know, maybe in an auto shop class, it's more focused on these are the steps you do to change your oil or, you know, tune your carburetor. And it's very specific to automotive because of the technical nature 
of EVs and the approach and the actual learning material itself, there's a lot of math and uh, other skill sets kind of required, you know, drawn in. I mean, there is in, in all, you know, hobbies, really. That's why we do them, to keep our brain moving. Um, but I think in, in EVs especially, if you kind of look at the actual curriculum, what the guys are working on, the components and, and the work, that you'll see it's more technical and I think they'll get more benefit out of it that's going to stay with them longer through life, right? So I think taking taking advantage of that technical aspect over just, you know, build high horsepower motors and things like that, I think there's a technical approach. There's a subtle eloquence to the way an electric drive works, the way it delivers power and things like that, the way that it communicates over a computer network, um, giving us its uh, specifics and um, things like that. So there's a, there's a lot of aspects to it. You can get involved in this and you can be kind of on the horsepower side of it. And I want, you know, measure how much horsepower and how fast can this car go to zero and 60. But there's this whole other technical side to it, too, and behind the planning and the design of the battery pack and the instrumentation and the, the data, the data networks and things like that. So um, really, if you're a thinker, there's something there for you. If you're uh, doing something with the hands guy, there's something for you. And, and so I, I really think there's literally there are something for everyone in EVs. And if you're the artistic type, uh, there's a lot of design work and a lot of design work opportunities there for you, too. Well, yeah, and that brings up, you know, the artistic side, because um, I was talking to my wife about, you know, interviewing you for this podcast. And she immediately said, instead of STEM, she said STEAM, which includes arts in that. So, I mean, is there is there kind of thought to, you know, include the arts? It was almost like a Steve Jobs approach. I mean, computers were like this, you know, tan, you know, really, you know, boxy things. And then he wanted to bring in the humanities and the arts. Um, so kind of a more holistic approach. I like that. I think that, you know, uh, caring, thoughtful people want to be inclusive, right? You know, really trying to, to just make the circle bigger. And so I think, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I understand why STEM was started. I think that people and people in the engineering community that were in, you know, literally the, the engineers working at companies like SpaceX and things like that genuinely love their jobs, right? We get to be involved in this cutting edge stuff that's kind of changing the world. And, and it's just really exciting. So I think in, in general, there's a, uh, over willingness for, engineers in the field and people, you know, in this area to kind of reach out and be more inclusive and bring people in because I think they want to see other people enjoy it as much as they do, right? And then you realize, oh, maybe maybe by just reaching out to this skill set, maybe that was a little exclusive, so we should open it up because there's, you know, other things there. And, you know, so I think it was all genuine and everything. But yeah, nowadays, everybody just, you know, make the group bigger, bring more people in. And, and really, you know, again, we have to look back at what we're trying to solve. And I think that that's the issue that I brought up earlier, where the schools are moving away from these programs and they're not trying to teach uh, wide. They're trying to teach deep and really get them to, to know how to test well and know these core curriculum skills. But, you know... Um, and this is something, you know, time will tell. You're not going to make changes in education and see which way it's going right away. You almost have to, you know, stay with that change through a generation. But, you know, I think that uh, myself and others do feel that these specific categories, you know, basically every letter in the acronym STEAM, they need a little bit more focus. You know, and art's a big one. That A is a huge one because, you know, in my opinion, that surrounds, you know, 
people like in design fields and architect fields, I mean, let alone just art itself, sculpting and, and making art, but then you also have music. Um, and I consider writing, you know, people who write books, I consider that art. Um, I mean, really, I consider engineering art, but, you know, artists might not say that. Uh, but really, yeah, that's that's very broad and they should definitely be involved. We do call ourselves a STEM school because we don't really have art programs. Uh, there are people that focus on that a little bit more. And again, you could argue designing a circuit, making a beautiful circuit. That's artwork. I would argue that all day long. But I think uh, the general understanding, is, you know, the focus on that is having these programs that kids can explore uh, a lot of those art programs independently. Can you talk to a little, a little bit about the instructors and the people that are involved in the school? Uh, yeah. So we've got a few instructors. We've got, um, you know, Mr. G who's come out a couple times. He's a, um, auto shop teacher. Um, we've got Jake, who's a real famous metal worker. He builds all these cutting edge kind of cars and, uh, vintage car bodies and things like that. Um, we've got our, our staff, um, and our board of directors that are all kind of involved. We have, you know, our principal, Brian Bender, um, founder, you know, and then, um, kind of our directors, uh, well, he's the director and then who's kind of running everything is Margarita Santos. And so between them, they kind of form the programs and then we have the instructors and then a list way too long of volunteers. I mean, guys that just, we could not do this without them, you know, um, yeah, Tom, Bill, Kevin, Mike. I mean, the, the, the list is so long, but they're, you see the usual suspects here all the time, just putting their time in, working on stuff next door. We've gotten, there's a couple electric vehicles over there now. We actually had uh, some local residents um, donate some converted EVs. And so we have a little Chevy Aveo platform that, you know, all the components are in there. It's very open. It's not a typical conversion where we try to hide the components and hide, you know, because a really good conversion, I think, is, you know, the less you see, the better, right? Um, but we, you know, converted this car as a learning tool. So it makes it very approachable for the kids to get in there and understand, oh, okay, so this component controls this component and that runs the motor. And then they have that understanding. So um, it's it's neat to have stuff like that, you know, teaching aids and and things like that. And and honestly, too, the the whole program's evolving. You know, the school's fairly new. Um, you know, and so we're trying to get feedback from the programs, trying to figure out what people enjoy, taking that feedback and you know reinvesting it in the next session, and you know trying to just really dial in the program. Yeah, and I I really like that idea of like the open idea we have. Uh through, you know, Evolve KY, our electric vehicle group, one of our, you know, original members um, converted a Porsche 914 to electric. You know, it was like a little project for him. And he basically put plexiglass over the it. So and with like little, like, you know, descriptions of what people are seeing. And so he could actually kind of teach and he could show, you know, it made me nervous when we did these ride and drives, Ner nervous as hell, to the point where he's a funny guy. He's great. He um, he actually had a kill switch on it, and he called it the Stewart switch. <laughs> I was, and he didn't he didn't he didn't tell me. I was just looking at his car one day, and I see this button, and it says Stewart switch. And I'm like, what's that? And he's like, oh, that's the kill switch. I named it after you. <laughs> that's fantastic. Because you know we're we're in the public, and we have kids trying to poke and stuff. So, um, but I love that idea of, of just being able to see everything 
as as kind of a, a teachable thing. Yeah, compared to you know your early electric cars, the 914 is much more fascinating, fun to look at than something like a Nissan Leaf or even a Tesla. That really their goal is to keep everything buried. I think if they show a component, then you can worry about it. You talked about your anxiety seeing all the parts and driving around. So uh, that's what conversions are really good for, actually, for the the teaching of all the individual parts and their actual purpose in the car. And, and just understanding that all of these same things are in the factory electric vehicles, they're just, you know, packaging and designing it, you know, extremely well. So that hood space can now be a frunk and carry a cooler or something else, you know, that's the neat thing. Like as a car guy, you know, I see like, I, you know, I'm on the res- reservation list for the F-150 Lightning. I look at that front trunk space and I'm like, man, who like, who cares what this thing runs on? I want that space, <laughs> you know, to have a lockable storage thing. So it's neat that the platform affords us that. And, um, you know, their first Ford's first electric truck is a huge hit. I can only imagine what they're going to follow it up with. I think we're going to see a lot of really neat stuff coming down the line in the future. It's a great, great time to be involved in STEM, to be involved in EV stuff. So much opportunity and so much excitement. Um, yeah, it's it's great. Water's warm. Come on in. <laughs> yeah. No, and and you mentioned volunteers. Now you are a nonprofit, so that's that's really big, you know. Um, and being a nonprofit, you can take advantage of of volunteers. You could take advantage of donations. Um, I would imagine, you know, maybe it's too early for this, but I would imagine all the major car companies would be very interested in in supporting what you're doing. Um, as well as individuals making donations. They are, yeah. Actually, um, we've had some talks with Volkswagen. They seem real positive in these areas. And, and really, I think anybody that we talk to would you know, want to support it. I think if I was working for a car company on the other end, you'd probably see a ton of requests coming from STEM schools because these types of schools are quite popular and there's several starting up and several really getting into it and doing some really good stuff. So I think from that standpoint, yeah, we are a nonprofit. We don't have a source of income. You know, they'll do some sales from time to time. I know at times they'll have a shop online or uh, at our events. We always, you know, we'll take donations and we sell little things, you know, mugs, hats and little battery chargers and things like that to bring um, cash flow coming in. And, you know, we run on donations. So if anybody's out there listening to this and think, you know, uh, what can you do to help? I mean, $10 would help, $20, any, any amount, really, because right. it goes directly to the kids. I think the neatest thing about EVLC is everybody on staff who's working there is pretty much a volunteer. We don't have paid positions. No one's making money. The instructors are volunteering. I'm volunteering, Margarita, Brian, everyone. So, you know, you see these things that measure how much of my dollar is actually going to the program going to the recipient, the actual children. And in, in our case, uh, it's extremely high, <laughs> like over 90. I mean, we just, you know, literally have a, a tiny little classroom over here. And I think that's their only overhead and everything else is just run on donations. So if anybody can help, I know we'd really appreciate it. And it's going to, you know, something that I think is really going to change a lot of lives and set people on the right track, set kids on the right track to have a, a successful career ahead of them, you know, and something that they enjoy. Right. Well, that's the key. I I mean, I think we're, you know, we're at the point where, I mean, my, you know, my, my dad had to work a job he, he didn't want to do for the vast majority of his life because it was a job that needed to be done. He needed to, you know, kind of pay the bills. And there are still people that have to do that. But I think we are living in a time when, you know, 
people, if you can do something that you enjoy, um, all the better. You know, you're going to be better at it and you're going to, you know, want to not just treat it as a job. No, and that's a good point because I think a lot of, you know, the generation that raised us, right, kind of, that was kind of common. They got themselves into a position and then maybe didn't enjoy that position, but didn't really have uh, the tools or the background to get into something that they really wanted to be involved in. And of course, you know, this is why we kind of repeat this mantra, because by the time you get there and realize you're in that position, it's probably too late, right? You're probably not going to go back and re-educate yourself at that point. You know, time moves on, money's difficult, life you know, has a lot of challenges. So that highlights the importance of this key moment in the children's lives where you, you have their attention for a brief moment and you can get them excited in things that are going to be copacetic with the way that they think, right? We know that they're pre-programmed. Somebody, you know, some children might have a propensity for this stuff and others might have a propensity for more creative or artistic kind of things. But I think just finding that out early on, instead of this kind of old way of like, do this, do this, do this, and you're going to get a good job and you're going to be happy. <laughs> you know, uh, I think that's kind of gone away now and, and people are a little bit more open that, Hey, my child might be an artist, uh, might not be an engineer, but I'm going to support that and give them all the tools and the programs so that when they're an adult, <laughs> at that point they realize, wow, I'm really doing something I enjoy. And they're not stuck in, you know, maybe a field that they don't enjoy. And those and, and they're there because that was based on decisions and educational and, you know, materials that were presented in front of them in their early to young teens. Yeah, no. And it's almost like all these extracurricular activities, whether they're music or sports or STEM or STEAM. I mean, all this kind of stuff just kind of goes into informing the child, you know, informing the young adult and um giving them more options you know so that's that's wonderful yeah i mean really i could you know the whole evlc ev west all of this stuff that we built up here um is really the result of i think my father right, right. he he got me excited in cars he uh fueled that in a way by never giving me the answer directing me where i might find the answer and it was it just became fun it became um, you know, this wonderful machine that you could work on and make better and uh, constantly have a better understanding of it. And uh, that stuck with me. And, you know, I graduated college. I actually had another career, ran a business for 23 years um, before I found, you know, I got lucky because I was able to um, sell my previous business and get into something that at the time for me, this was a hobby, right? This whole thing started as a hobby. I wanted personally to make an EV conversion. I wanted a performance car. I wanted to enter some races in it and just kind of have some fun. And through that process, I realized, you know, nobody was really focusing on the performance EV. So many people were focused on the environment and these other things. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if, if we just started to push the performance side of these things? And this was, of course, right about the time that Tesla came out with the Roadster and then it kind of took off and, you know, uh, now we're here and you don't even have to explain this stuff to anymore. They just know, you know, how important it is. So right. good right. times. <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, if we could be that same influence on other students that my father was on me, that's, you know, I think where EVLC wants to be in, in, in all of this. And I think, you know, the, the fruits of that labor, really seeing 
where the benefit is, I think that's going to be years, if not a decade or so down the road, you know, right. and, and to, to have that influence on a lot of these kids that got that first experience with electronics and the fun of electronics at a young age. And then that maybe pushed them in, you know, to this career. And then, you know, they grew up being an electric drivetrain engineer for GM or something like that. That's just a whole lot of fun. No, that's great. That's great. Was there anything that I didn't touch on that you'd like to well, there's Talk tons of stuff, it. but time is short, and there's lots of EVs <laughs> to build and customers to talk to and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. But yeah, I mean, you know, Stuart, I, I really appreciate you. I love the, the fact that you reached out, and we got to do this again. I know we talked yeah. about it briefly in the last one, so I appreciate uh, your time. I appreciate the audience letting me talk about the EVLC and uh, just how important it is and, and uh, to have these programs, you know, and, you know, you could sit around and complain that the schools aren't doing enough or you could, you know, I, I hate the cliche, but you can be part of the solution and get out there. And if you don't feel like you can contribute, maybe you can contribute financially and still support these kids and let them, you know, let them find their way to these careers and these, um, you know, areas that they really enjoy to be involved in. No, I mean, education is, uh, kind of near and dear to my heart. So this is absolutely wonderful. And I, I, I'm happy to, to help kind of promote this a little bit for you. It, it's, uh, it's just really, you know, again, it, it kind of points to um, our nation moving in the right direction, you know, so it's, it's great to see that, uh, that you all are doing this. So Thank you again. It's exciting. We're really, you know, we're really excited about that EV 101 class too. There's been a huge amount of interest. First class sold out right away. Um, and, you know, maybe in the future we can come back around and talk about that. Cause I think that class is going to be interesting for, you know, participants of all ages, really kids and adults. Um, you know, we have actually some father son uh, teams that have shown up for some of the classes we've done in the past. And I think we have, I think we've got one father son combo coming to this next one. I'll have to look at the roster, but uh, that would be something neat. You know, I know how we like to leave it on, Hey, let's check in on that. You know, maybe, oh, yeah. maybe next summer or something like that. Have you out here, have a little firsthand experience oh, yeah. what it's like to learn. Some I would of love that. STEM stuff. So yeah, all sorts of fun stuff we can do with yeah. that. Yeah. Well, it won't be long before, you know, one of, uh, your students will be working at uh, EV West, perhaps. Yeah, this is true. This is true. <laughs> well, thank you again for coming on. It's a, a total pleasure. Yeah. Oh, pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much, Stuart. We'll see you real soon. Okay, you take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stu's EV Universe. I would like to thank Eden Unger for creating the artwork and the music for this episode. Remember, please rate, review, subscribe, and share, as that's the only way we can continue to grow. Now you can support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash EVU. Remember, the EV revolution runs on your energy. I'm Stuart Unger. See you next time.